Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mourne, and my co-host, Aiden. Hi, guys. Not the greeting I wanted to give. I was hoping to play the Champions League tune in the background. But unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be all this hard work and uh, throwing it all away at the final game. Yeah, I mean, you know, it started off quite well. I mean, if you think of it, we started with the, like, almost like our strongest eleven. Um, but, uh, you know, same with the, with, the, with the start of the game also. Something that was very... Um, I, I mean, I didn't expect us to go with a three at the back because I was just thinking, since we did have the upper hand on Chelsea in previous games, I thought we were now going to go again with that flat back four. But, okay, we went now with the, the back three and uh, wing backs. And look, to a point, we did you know dominate that first half, as I said, to a degree. I felt we started with a bit shaky. I know we, you know there were times in the game where we, you know, did control it, but I just feel that our passes weren't up to it because it seemed like we were trying one twos and went out of play. Look, it was it was the first half. You would say it was a very cagey affair, and there were moments that we'll probably mention throughout. You know, when we give a bigger breakdown, but there were moments in the game where a bit of composure and we could have, you know, taken the lead. Yeah. I mean, like the first warning shot from from Arsenal was uh, an incident where um, Maitland-Niles and Aubameyang interchanging some passes. Uh, Maitland-Niles then whoops in a cross, like a quite a good cross. Uh, Kepa decides to punch instead of catching the ball. He, he punches the ball straight to Aubameyang, who, of course, doesn't like a snapshot and just fires the ball wide. So, I mean, for kind of first warning, but I think should have done better then. Uh, should have done better. That should have been 1-0 Arsenal. And for me, as a soccer player and even as a coach, if you see a keeper mispunch a ball like that so early in the game, you start putting pressure on him. You start giving him more of those to almost, you know, not let him settle. Because I think after that, Kepper you know, managed to settle and actually was able to get composure in the game again. But I think also, like, look, with regards to like you know the course of that that first half, the quality from the flanks weren't the best because, but for that cross on from Maitland Niles, there was one that he was like he ended up just scuffing into, uh, one of the centre backs, and then there was also one where Colasinac a few times, getting you know into the acres of space left open by Chelsea, and you know not taking advantage of it, which kind of I mean I'm mean, still going depth a bit further down the line. With regard to especially this point, in fact, you know, in the game, um, 18th minute, Lacazette then looked for penalty, but it seemed, you know, way too minimal contact for, you know, a stonewall penalty. So, I mean, I I had no actual problem. I mean, I think if it gone either way, we would have probably thought, you know, it's a lucky pin we're going to get there. But, you know, the ref saw otherwise, he didn't even, I don't think even VAR really took that much of a look or interest into it. So, you know, there was it VAR in the final, by the way, sorry. Yeah, I, there was VAR. Oh, oh, I, I actually then thought that, in my opinion, I, maybe I'm a bit biased, but I thought that was a pin just because of the contact on Lacazette that brought him down. Because I think, like, I mean, my take was, and I think that's why I think Martin Keown also said in the studio, like, he felt when Lacazette burst in the box, he was already starting to lose his balance going forward and... It's not like any little touch like that. The ref was, even if there was now, I mean, I did see a hand on his ankle, but, you know, it's, you know, six of one off, doesn't have the other type of 
thing. You know, could have gone either way. So, you know, they left a lot for play to go on. And a good point you mentioned about Colossine. It's just, just the way he... There was a time... Uh, there was a picture on Instagram, actually, which I actually captured, uh, where uh, Colossine had Aubameyang and Lacazette to aim at in the box. Not even to aim at, just put the ball in the... Cross the ball and he managed to mess that up. So it, it comes across as that, like our wingers, we, we, that's why we need wingers in the summer. Somebody that can put the clinical ball in there. All the striker needs to do is put their foot in and, you know, 1 0 Arsenal. Yeah. And I mean, like with Arsenal domination, my biggest worry was also, you know, is not just now keeping the track now in the first half. You know, Chelsea did they all right flank unattended for most parts because, I mean, Aspella Quetta was, you know, just bombing up forward and at times it seems he did not care that he was now leaving this space open on that. Because I thought to myself, you know, there's that zone that's now there to be picked at. So go for it. And I mean, for me, it, what was frustrating is like, you've got somebody like Palacina, a season pro. And I mean, he just did not take advantage of it. I mean, it was so annoying because you could see Jaka was always pinging. I mean, at times even Ozil, they were every time pinging balls in that, that little pocket of space for him to do damage with, then he was either not there, which I mean, of course, made the pass look bad. And then, of course, the other side of things was, he, like, when he did come in, it wasn't, he was never doing really first-time crosses. And I think that is the, the quicker, slicker passing we would, like, you know, have done. I think we could have come on the end of some of these things, but every time when he comes to the box, and I mean, it's just not this game now, I'm talking about previous games also, he always does that extra little touch in the box, and I think he doesn't have some confidence in your own game or your own, you know, your playing style, because that's also the gripe I used to, oh, I, I would normally would have with, with Iwobi. Because you've got people that, that can't get through. I mean, look, they can get through from their uh, box to the offer line, from the offer line to the opponent's box. But then from there on, it's not like they have a blackout and they don't know what to do with the ball. I mean, I don't know what's your take on that. The first thing, what frustrated me, besides all of the things you mentioned, is that the amount of times Colosinus was getting caught offside. I mean, come on, if you were exploiting the space, you don't get caught offside like that. I mean, there was a few times in this final as well where Colosinus was offside, and I was like, really? You're attacking from deep. You should not be offside. And just like you mentioned, it's like, just like he wasn't getting there in time to the balls, which made the passes look bad. It seems like his fitness level is not where it's supposed to be as well for that position. And I mean, as a, you know, like the um, midway to latter part of the, of the first half, you could see Chelsea were now starting to gain momentum. And in my mindset, I was thinking, if we don't get anything this first half, then, I mean, uh, things could be bleak second half. This was now what I was thinking uh, leading up to halftime because I was just thinking Chelsea would not... I don't think Chelsea is going to be that bad in the second half, you know, like after... Because I think the coaches would probably also have picked up, you know, where Arsenal were finding these little gaps and, and, and or pockets of space. And I mean, like, as we switch our attention now to the second half, uh, Sari then sorted it out, or his coaching staff sorted, sorted it out, because the minute that second half started, Aspilicueta did no real bombing forward, so it's like he started playing a more deeper role, or actually the old, like both uh, left and right back of uh, Chelsea were now sitting a bit deeper now, so they were already cutting off that channels, that you know, that pockets that we were not trying to pick out, so they were getting more disciplined now, and I mean, we was like we didn't have everything in our locker to pick this, or we didn't have like a plan B to, you know, work our way through this. We didn't have that player. Like, you, there's there's two types of players you could have had for a game like this. 
was an Olivia Giroud type player where you could eventually just bomb balls forward and you would be able to win the aerial balls and you can take it from the second ball. Or if you had those type of wingers that had creativity on the ball, would take you on, bring you to the touchline and whoop across in. We didn't have any of those and we didn't have any individual brilliant players like an uh, Eden Hazard type or Alexis Sanchez type where he's going to run at the defender all the time until something happens. We just had and we lacked imagination. And I mean, now what was also happening was, especially that latter part of the first half and now going to that that second half uh, when it started, Jorginho now started dominating the ball more. Because since Ozil was playing that role that Ramsey was, when we played Chelsea and we, you know, totally wiped him out at the Emirates, he was now, since Ozil was in that Ramsey role per se, it was almost like he was now not doing that sort of tracking that, uh, Ramsey was doing where if you think of if you think back to the the game at, at the Emirates, Ramsey was constantly on Jorginho's ankles, you know, breathing down his neck. He had no chance to even turn because I mean, I remember you and Azul had a chuckle of he was like he ended up like Jorginho ended up just hacking the ball into touch at times because he did not know where to go with the ball or he used, he was just kicking the ball back to his keeper because there was no real outlet going forward because Ramsey kept on you know blocking all these little exits for him. And I mean, with Ozil, now it was almost like this is going to be an easy time for him because now he had more time in the ball because you know he's not being tracked. And like while you saw him, you know, darting into various spaces on the pitch, you just saw Ozil prodding around and not really. I mean, it was like a headless chicken at times because he did not know or he does not have that side to his game. Because I mean, he, for him, it's not just I'm going to help with assisting going forward, but you don't really think, okay, I need to also help out in the back, especially in a game of this magnitude. Yeah, then Sadio Paul took over, I think, the moment. His son got the freedom of uh, Baku. He, he started dictating things from the, the back. And it's like, it seems like you, you mentioned to me, you know, in a private message, why didn't they stick to Quintosio on the pitch instead of uh, Torreira? I'm uh, not Torreira, instead of Ozil, and then have Torreira sit on um, Quinto, um, on Jorginho and just close him down consistently, even, even if... He could have done that in the second half. Emery should have done that in the second half. Seeing that Uzel wasn't doing much, even at one nil down, he could have changed it up a bit. Because I mean, even like my take is just Torreira is going to offer you more, like physically. Because I mean, it was going to it was a game that was going to go toe to toe physically, like a physical battle. And it's just we had say some that were not trying and whatever. But I mean, you end up having somebody like Mesut that he's not going to be there for a scrap. You know when you. Need somebody to you know roll up his sleeves and put in a real shift. And I mean, a shift was needed the way they started now just you know swarming us, dominating us. And I mean, on 49 minutes, what I dreaded became in reality when Emerson again, this is not lack of discipline. And this is what I'm I look, I hate using like you know, like if I'm gonna sway or something, but I mean, I was really pissed off because for me, Emerson is somebody. You know, he really does go on walkabouts. But, I mean, it just shows you how the confidence was also being gained in that whole squad. Where he started even pushing higher up now all of a sudden. You know, where they were like... I thought they were just going to sit deep and, and, and sit back. But it's not like they were taking turns. Like, sometimes it would come from the left flank or the right flank. But they would always have almost like the protection at the back. But then they also had that that uh, one of their fullbacks would uh, be a bit adventurous and go forward. And he took that chance at the time. He was not closed down by Maitland-Niles or anybody in the midfield really coming over to help. And I mean, Emerson then whoops in across and uh, again, shoddy, shoddy defending by Arsenal. 
because he only, I don't know if he, he was too scared to wipe out Jeru or what, but so timely puts his leg up. I mean, it wasn't, you couldn't even say it was a little tackle or attempt of a block. And I mean, Jeru just powers past him with a diving head and he steals a header pass check, 1 0 Chelsea. Yeah, I felt he could have been. I think if a Socrates would have been there, I think Jeru would have been taken out cleanly, but with ball and all, and maybe, you know, would have had to be stretched off or something like that. Because um, Socrates, this whole game, you could see he wasn't there to take any nonsense. He was going to take you out. He wanted the, he wanted the trophy. And I don't know if it's because of the French connection or there were teammates that you mentioned. Um, Koscielny put his leg in there very tamely. Instead of, like, you know, getting there, knocking him and, you know, knocking it out for a corner or something and one nil down, like you said. And, you know, that kind of opened up the game for Chelsea. And, I mean, for me, what, what also... What I liked was, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up with regard to Socrates. He was actually up for the scrap because, I mean, he took no prisoners. Everything was hard but fair. And, I mean, that is what we needed. But for me, there were too many. Like, for me, when I see the, the you know, Cossialni's type of defending, what he did there. I mean, look, he played a blinder in Valencia. I mean, if you think of some of that that saves that he was also making early on in that game or even at the, at the Emirates also, the, some of the stuff he was pulling off defensively. But, I mean, for me, it, it reminded me, I mean, I'm sorry to send some of you guys back on a bad memory trip, but it reminded me of that Birmingham City game where we, got, we get to that, that League Cup final and, you know, total indecision leads through to, you know, the the winning goal being scored. And uh, for me, it, for you know, like a split second, that sort of thing popped in my head again when I saw that sort of defending. So, you know, that half-hearted type of thing, not, you know, really going through. Because, I mean, I thought he was going to, follow through ball and all because i mean look you, you take no prisoners there as a defender and i think that is where we are too tame as a team at the back yeah in a situation like that you know final cup final and everything on the line champions league spot on the line even your club's future of how we can move forward you or you will get the ball and you're going hard i mean jeru put showed bravery big ups to jeru for that he showed bravery putting his head there on another day he could have been concussed and laying you know out of it and I mean, on the hour, a poor Mecklenau pass. Um, Kovacic then nips in, who then picks out Hazard. And I mean, the Belgian then picking out Pedro with a fantastic ball. I mean, look, Hazard is what, you know, I think Hazard is the number 10 that we're all longing for, somebody like that. And I mean, he ends up picking out Pedro, and I mean, with smart finishes, makes it 2-0 Chelsea. I think at that point, heads drop and, you know, my head dropped. At 1-0, I thought, you know, they, 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 there's hope. But at 2-0 down, I just looked at the Arsenal team currently and I thought, where's this goal coming from? I don't know where it's coming from. I couldn't see it happening from the guys on the field. And then I'm in 65 minutes. Uh, ball gets played in the Arsenal box. Maitland now is totally unaware of what's happening around him and he ends up just bundling Jeru over penalty Chelsea. Hazard. Soft penalty, or, or do you think it was... Uh... Nah, Stonewall, Stonewall. It's just, number one, he, he was so unaware of his surroundings, what's going on. And I mean, nobody's also giving him a shout that, that Giroud's going to dart in. And I mean, look, Giroud has always been doing this and he's always been winning penalties like that. Where people just do clumsy things to bundle him over. And I mean, for me, I had no problem with it. And uh, Hazard then steps up, dispatches the, the penalty. And I mean, for me, that was game over. Yeah, um, 
for me, when I was, uh, just was a dagger in the heart, and you know, I, I felt uh, a bit embarrassed to say this, but I felt my eyes wilding up a bit as I was watching this game at the Arsenal pub, by the way. And uh, the uh, there, I thought all this hard work, everything going down the drain. I mean, I actually felt just like numbing. So I mean, I didn't even have a sort of reaction. I didn't know whether to be shocked or to shout or to do anything. I mean, that's how I felt because it's like. You know, when you've been really beaten in, in whatever sport, you know, you're well and truly having your ass handed to you. You just know you're not even going to have a, in, you know, any sort of comeback or a quip or, a, you know, a banter back type of moment. So it's like we were made to look like a banter club for me, to be honest. Why, why is it that, that Arsenal's never the team that comes back? You know, we, we, we saw the likes of Spurs, we saw the likes of Liverpool, even United, you know, away from home, come back. Arsenal... Three goals down, you know, you, you're hoping for some medical, but Arsenal just aren't that club that showed it. And I mean, the two of us have seen not many heartbreaks in finals, but for me, this is probably one of the worst finals I watched as a gunner. Quite humiliating defeat, yeah. Because, I mean, if you think Cup winners Cup with uh, Sosa, Real, Gosa, that was like, I mean, injury time, long range shot. Uh, that Galatasaray thing in the penalty shooter, that could have swung yeah. away. The Barcelona. Yeah, uh, we were already hamstrung early on in the game, but I mean, as you said, this was it was humiliating to see a defeat like that. Um, just want to go back to the game. Uh, Iwobi then banged the consolation goal, you know, with a super drive because he came on for was it Montreal? If I'm not sure. Yes, 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 it was from Montreal. Um, and then Azad, then you know, even though we scored that consolation, I mean, you also knew. Something was going to still come from Chelsea. And I mean, it did in the 73rd minute where Azad had interchanging passes with Giroud. And I mean, he tucks away the return pass 4 1, you know, a, a route complete Chelsea. Kind of a similar Giroud cross he gave for Arsenal against Chelsea in the FA Cup final, you know, where they just he got the ball and gave it like a not even a touch on it, just the cross looked up, knew where his partner was in the box and found him. and at 3-1 for me, I thought, you know, Arsenal might have the that energy and that excitement and the adrenaline to maybe push on. And shortly after that, you saw the chances we were missing. If we put that away, you I know it's, you know, if and buts, but if we put that away, it's maybe 4-2, 4-3, and suddenly it's pressure on again. But we were missing easy chances. Aubameyang, like I said, our world-class guys, or supposedly world-class, he didn't have the bottle to put those chances away. Mm. And I mean, like, one thing that also stood out for me um, in the game, uh, you know, the, almost like the good and bad side of football. The good side, in a way, is like, you know, seeing Torreira in tears coming off. And you, you can see it's somebody that's, you know, being, you know, uh, deep down for, you know, the sort of defeat. And I mean, it, it, you know, it shows you, what the club and you know what wearing the Arsenal badge means to him, and then you go to the flip side of it, the bad side when you see you're already chasing a game, and you see somebody like Özil having a uh, you know a petulant moment, uh, having to be subbed uh, by Chris Willock and uh, or Joe Willock, sorry, and he, the way he walks off the pitch, you know, petulantly, and then he still had some words to say to uh, in Emery's direction after being subbed, and I'm thinking to myself, why are you even? You know, opening your mouth, you did absolutely nothing in that second half. But just uh, gather a few kilometers on uh, by running <laughs> into 
And I mean, a lot of it really running and breaking a real sweat. So, I mean, and, and if you think of it, Willock did in like, what, five minutes there, more than what Ozil did in that whole, uh, that his time on the pitch. So, I mean. Yeah. Iwobi was actually, you know, he came on um, and actually created and done more than the whole team that went played 90 minutes. And that's a scary thing to say. Yeah, and I mean, what, what, I mean, this goes now for first half as well. Why are we always playing this slow? I mean, you see some of Emery urging to go forward and to, you know, to push or whatever. And we play this sort of pedestrian football. And, and I think, I don't think he or, or these guys can be trained this anymore. I think the only way we are going to go forward with, uh, you know, with, with regards to the team, and, and our, our style of play or Emery's style of play that he really wants is when Emery actually brings in his sort of play that's going to actually drive and put fire under these players' backsides. Yeah, I felt sorry for the guy. And, you know, um, many, many times as an Arsenal fan, you look at Wenger and you're like, he doesn't see me like, asked about what's happening. But I look at Emery, yes, he could have gotten things that were wrong. Maybe he had a certain plan the guys didn't follow, but you could yeah. see he was disgusted or disappointed in what had happened because I'm sure he didn't expect his players to collapse like they did. He, he literally felt, I could see the pain in him actually. Because I mean, for me, you, you know, I thought if the players were going to leave it all on the line or leave it all on the pitch, you know, when the defeat, if you like, if you just think of, uh, say, Ajax Tottenham, where, you know, when, when Tottenham scored the winning goal, that whole uh, Ajax team just collapsed to the ground. Yeah, they play themselves into the ground, even though they were now done on the night, with a late like late on. But with us, it was now nah, we're going through the motions and and we doing it things at our own pace. Because for me, I mean, of course, Chelsea were not going to play really in our end second half. But I mean, you could see Chelsea were worried the minute pace was coming at them. Look how they were trying to yes. act down Willock. They were trying to act down uh, Iwobi because they were driving at them the whole time, and they did not like that. And yet we. Like we play for like what seventy something minutes, and we're playing this pedestrian football to allow Chelsea to keep on blocking all these little channels that we're trying to get through. Yeah, shocking end to the season, but uh, you know, big ups to Peter Cech, who I actually gave a lot of stick for yeah. The, the yeah. last week, actually. But for me, he was our man of the match. He was the guy that, if everybody played like Peter Cech did, we would have won the final. I think. I mean, I, it would have been way, way worse. I mean, the way, some of the crap that I saw online regards to people making comments about Czech. I mean, then your things wasn't even like a percent of the things that I've seen with, you know, with criticism of Czech. But I mean, for me, that that defeat could have been way worse because some of the stuff he was pulling off was the whole defeat. Defense was already beaten and he, it came down to him and one of the attacking Chelsea players and he was pulling off save after save after save. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a proud moment to be an Arsenal fan, but, you know, we take things on the chin yeah. and, you know, we have to hope next season somehow there's some funding coming in or there, there needs to be something new because I I can't go through this again, uh, the same thing over and over and it's like a never-ending circle. If we don't get into the Champions League, we're not going to get investment and if our club owner is not going to pump investment to the club, we're going to fall short again like we are now. Because it's always going to be that one club that's going to fall into the Europa League that's going to give us trouble. You get Atletico Madrid, you know, like last season, Chelsea did this season, and you might get the Man United next season. And I mean, if you look at it also now, with even top four ambi ambitions for next season, if we don't invest right and get, you know, decent players that, that can push us a level, 
you know, even though we might have, say, a smaller budget. But, I mean, you can see now teams like Wolves are going to get extra funding now from the owners. Uh, Newcastle uh, about to be born by a uh, oil sheik from, I think, Dubai or something like that. So, I mean, there's extra money because I'm from the herd. Their budget probably was going to go from something like thirty million that they had to about two hundred million for for the summer. So yeah, I think it, it could be that Man City's brother, uh, Man City's owner's brother, that could be buying them. Yeah, so I mean now it's already taking oh, opening up the playing field now even more now. So in the end, it's not like we're going to be uh, like a group of teams that's going to be clustered fighting for fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth like that. And, and and top four is going to start being almost like out of our reach. And at the moment, it's not like we're trying to just keep our fingertips clinging onto the ledge, trying to just stay in, in, in contact with the top four at the moment. And I mean, I don't know how. Look, for me, from what I heard now, was it late last week, was Emery actually wants to meet now that Vinay and, and Raul Sani with regards to, you know, it was like giving uh, him almost like extra money or giving the club extra money to, you know, get now additions in. And I think what is also going to be vital, getting Edu on board as soon as possible, because I think he's going to also have to somehow, you know, almost like twist Vinay's arm or Raul's arm somewhat for them to, you know, tell Stan and then, you know, you have to, I mean, I know you're not, uh, he doesn't normally fund the club because, I mean, he, he wants a self-sustained club, but, it's going to come down to some extra money is going to have to come in from elsewhere. And I don't mean now sponsor money or stuff like that. It's going to have to come from the owner. Because the same way that that Henry guy of Liverpool has done it, where he's taken the money out of his own pocket to find the club. Same way it's gone with, with Man City. Same way it's gone with, with uh, even Tottenham with their... Look, they have, have expenses and that with the stadium. But I think they're also going to come now in with, with some sort of budget if they're going to sell off maybe one. Like I think there's talk of... So they're gonna they might sell Ericsson and I mean they could get like close to hundred or more just over hundred million for him. And I mean that they can again pump into the squad with quality players. Yeah, the thing is we need you need an owner that has emotion who loves football as well to an extent. I mean, if if you don't love something and it's just making you money, you're not gonna be asked to put your own money in. You know, you you're not going to it it, it does nothing, it doesn't give you any joy. I mean um, Eva Bramovich, I know I still have a go at him. He sucks the managers, yes. But, and maybe sometimes the fans at some point get a bit upset about it. But if you look at the fans overall, they've been happy over this past few few years. I mean, how many trophies have they not won in that period as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, so at the end now, like, as we round now, this off, um, I just want to say that we're going to do. Uh, probably another pod soon within uh, today still because we're going to do now a, a player rating, uh, you know, our analysis with regards to in the course of the season, how we have now rated the players and that. So I think it's basically we round off here and I hope you guys have a good weekend and enjoy the next po- next, next podcast that comes up in a, probably half an hour or so. Thanks. Bye. See you guys. Cheers.